you start with um, kindness towards yourself and then you widen that circle further and further out and some parts of yourself maybe are already likable and other parts maybe not but then you can slowly slowly by practicing again and again you can widen it and of course if you don't like yourself then there's no way you can really like others so you gotta start where you are <laughs> i'm way too much focusing on myself and either i'm good or that i'm bad or something can i actually just practice for whoever is watching just as a gift Hey dancers, welcome to the show. I'm Julie and I'm your host today on this episode of Broche Banter. I both own and teach at Broche Ballet, a virtual ballet school just for adults. Join us as we explore all things adult ballet. Today on the show, I chat with Marika, who lives in the Netherlands and dances ballet. We talk about her winding journey as a ballet dancer, but also about mindfulness, ego, and how she has learned to quiet the judgmental mind and love to dance. I hope you love this episode as much as I do. Enjoy. Welcome, Marika, to the show. I'm so excited to be able to chat with you today. Yeah, I'm excited too. I love listening to this podcast, so uh, <laughs> I'm also happy to be to contribute to it. <laughs> and where are you calling me from today? From Groningen in the Netherlands. It's all the way in the north. <laughs> of all the countries, we've had two guests from the Netherlands. How funny. Yeah, wow. We, we, there's lots of ballet happening in the Netherlands, clearly. <laughs> well, the Dutch National Ballet is just amazing. Yeah, yeah, I, I love it too. And then, of course, we have Netherlands Dance Theatre as well. So, yeah. Amazing. So let's just get started with a little bit of your background. How did you get into ballet? What, how did you get from, you know, beginning to where you are now? Yeah, so that's a really funny story in a way because when I grew up I, I started with gymnastics my mom thought that I was kind of stiff so I needed to be put uh, in something so gymnastics and I kind of enjoyed it um, but actually especially the, the parts where you do all these exercises just on the mat not all the stuff where you had to fly around it was like that's too scary <laughs> but then somehow uh, when I was about 11 I read this book in the library that was about ballet and I was like, wow, that looks amazing. All these girls in, in pink um, leotards. And, and then I wanted to check it out. So I went to ballet school and I was like, yeah, cool. this is it. I just want to do this. So, you know, of course, I wanted to become a ballet dancer. Um, and I, sadly, I never auditioned um, because my teacher at the time said, yeah, she's just not too ta not talented enough. So I, I at that time, I wasn't so sure of myself so I was like oh I didn't even dare to audition um, and I think my parents also weren't too excited about me auditioning anyway so <laughs> and so I kept dancing um, uh, just once a week and then I moved and I went to a different studio and then twice a week and three times a week gave up the gymnastics and all, all kinds of other stuff and then at age or so I, I realized I, I read this magazine because by that time I've become quite crazy about ballet and so I read this magazine and saw an ad for schools that Royal Ballet School um, I had no idea um, so where they um, auditioned people at seven, 16 17 so I was like oh, okay why not I'm gonna go for it so I organized like well, really tried to organize a whole schedule for myself in different ballet schools so I could train like four or five times a week. Um, traveled from where I live to Amsterdam, like 45 minutes by bus and 
all of that stuff and I went for it. Um, I didn't make it in, which is very sad. Um, but the good thing maybe in a way afterwards is that um, I still continued dancing and in a way it was freedom because now there was no longer this pressure that I needed to be something and I needed to be good enough to make it and I could just dance. And in that time, I also, um, got to participate in i just somehow always managed to to create my own performers opportunities so i got into various um competitions where i choreographed my own solos and i made up performances with my friends where i choreographed the thing and you know that that kind of stuff so over the years i've kept dancing and um actually uh, i then when I moved to the US for my PhD, I was very, very happy that their adult ballet was way more um, serious than in the Netherlands, because in the Netherlands, you're just, yeah, you have the professionals on the one side, and there you have to audition, and you basically, as a, a mere mortal, you, you can't get close to it. And then you have the amateurs, and they just, you know, hop around some music, and, and well, I mean, not completely all schools, but most of the schools, like they maybe have one adult ballet class a week and it's not, it's more like just a social thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then I, uh, in the US, I really, there were so many more serious adult ballet schools. So I really got into it. And now I, I'm very glad that moving, having moved back to the Netherlands, I found also um, a school where I dance, where I can dance like every day of the week, almost if I wanted to as an adult um, and yeah, just do it at a pretty decent level. So that's pretty fun. That's awesome. I love how many opportunities you've created for yourself over this period of time. Like it's one of those things where it's definitely very easy to think there's no opportunities and maybe there aren't any opportunities, but you can make, you can make them, you can mm -hmm. seek them out. You can sit all your friends down and perform for them. You can, you know, you can, <laughs> you can make it happen if you really want it. Yeah. That's totally literally what I did when I, I um, did, um, last year in the US, I, I worked at Princeton and there I, uh, you know, I collaborated with the dance, the Princeton Ballet, that's a student dance company. And I just said, okay, I'm going to do a couple of numbers and you guys do some things. And then we have a performance and we just invite people in the studio and that's it. <laughs> it was actually a pretty awesome way to, to celebrate my leaving Princeton going to the Netherlands. So, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And so we've talked, we had a, an episode about mindfulness a while back and you and I talked a while about that. You've even published a paper about mindfulness and ballet. How, when did that come into the equation? What is, when did that enter your world? Right. So, so for, for the longest time, those were separate things. So even as a little girl, I remember being fascinated by meditation and I wanted to meditate even having no idea what it was. <laughs> like I was maybe about eight or so at the time I, I, I started to get curious into it. But how did you well, get, how did you even know about, I mean, at eight, who knows about meditation? Did you read it in a book? How did you even know that that was a thing you could do? <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, uh, the mother of a friend of mine. She would practice practice meditation and somehow I found that really fascinating it's really huh. weird but yeah so yeah and I, I started really learning about it from books <laughs> as I do <laughs> and then I, um, I eventually went to a meditation center and uh, at age 17 18 and learned it 
more properly and then it was just a part of my life um, which I really felt was very helpful for me to gain sanity and also to have something to well I think my first motivation was really like well we always are talking about you know you need to be nice and you need to pay attention but you don't get to learn how you do these things how you cultivate kindness and compassion how you learn to pay attention because it's those are all skills and you can develop those but you don't actually learn how to do that you just get rules but yeah that doesn't really help so that's how I got fascinated by meditation which um, in the way I practice this is part of a Tibetan Buddhist tradition that really helped me to uh, cultivate those things and then eventually also went more into the whole Tibetan Buddhist like worldview and it made a lot of sense to me but then eventually I also started to see parallels in, in especially also when I as a, I'm a, a neuroscientist so I studied the human mind which then also as a separate path like went into this and then I started to realize there were parallels between the way you are training your mind and body as a ballet dancer and the way I was training my mind um, in my meditation practice. And then I was like, oh, that, that's interesting um, because I feel like for me, ballet is, it's really interesting to, to f try to figure out how your body works, which is part of, of ballet, of course, but it's also really interesting to see how it changes your mind, how when you move with a certain intention, it makes you feel different. And also, like, in a way, your body can't lie. Like, somebody, like, your teacher can often tell how you're feeling from just the way you're moving. Um, and the other hand, like, and this, this was really interesting. It just happened yesterday. So when we were having this rehearsal, I had just... Uh, taken an exam from my students and it was very stressful because all the students were very stressed and they were sending me all these panicky messages and so I was completely stressed because oh. of this <laughs> and then I went to the class and I was stressed and then slowly as as I progressed through the class you you move your mind to a completely different place and there's even if you wanted to like you couldn't just focus on all the distress and the other stuff that's happening and they that have to deal with and you're just there at that moment and trying to figure out how to best move your muscles and remember the combination and um, also have some amount of expressiveness to the extent possible and 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 then I felt so much better afterwards and and yeah that that's really um, for me uh, one of the, the yeah the interesting insights is that I start to think about that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So I've even developed um, um, a, a, a kind of a workshop on, on mindful ballet um, at some point where I really brought those two together. So yeah, somehow those two strands are starting to, to merge. So like um, where we would do plies and tendus and the whole normal ballet um, um, sequence, but we would really more don't well there would be no mirrors there would be no lines there would be really more going inside and like how does this make me feel and like i for example with with a tendu i would play um plant the image of like we're actually caressing the earth and with the um um rond de jambe we'd be like feeling about moving outwards and moving inwards and how does that 
make your mind sort of feel mm-hmm. sort of really exploring the, the feeling dimension of ballet a lot more than the, the, the way it looks. So fascinating on so many levels, because first of all, ballet is, it's very odd to think of ballet as a feeling thing, even though it is very expressive. But when it comes to classical ballet, it, it doesn't feel like a it should be feeling based because there is a standard of perfection and there is something you're trying to achieve. And it doesn't seem like it matters how you feel if it looks a certain way. Whereas, you know, yoga is all about how it feels, not how it looks. Ballet feels like the opposite end of that spectrum. Although as a meditation has come into my life, I've come to understand much more about how you should integrate how it feels into it because really when you're on stage, you can't look at it. You need to be able to feel it at a certain point in your body. Um, but it's very fascinating and interesting how they can come together. I like that you even think about some concepts of yoga. They talk about the earth and of the, the energy lines and trying to overlay that onto something that seems so cut and dry. I don't know. It's very interesting. Yeah. And it's interesting because for me, ballet has been primarily always about that. I've always been somehow naturally really focusing on the expression part, maybe that's also the thing I, I, I find easiest. And then, you know, the, the, because the part where I focus too much on the lines, I get totally frustrated. I look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, no, it's <laughs> <this is> horrible. <laughs> so yeah, ain't that the truth? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so as, so as a, as a ballet dancer, personally, definitely have a lot of perfectionism going on. And many of our fellow dancers have perfectionism going on. So it became very odd to me to enter into the meditation world, where you're talking about accepting yourself and accepting who you are right now, while at the same time trying to improve. Whereas I felt like I originally had taken ballet as all about like, you're wrong, you're bad, you need to be corrected, you need to be fixed, there's nothing good about what you're doing. And that was like how I entered the ballet world. And then over time, came to discover that the more you accept where you are now, the more amenable you are going to be to changing it over time. But if you're only just denying everything about what you're doing right now, then it actually makes it very difficult in your mind to even be open to receiving information. Yeah. And I think also it makes your body very tense when you're just in the overcritical mode and it makes you not yeah, it makes you probably also not a nice student for the teacher to work with. <laughs> so, yeah. So for and for me, it's also really in a way, it's the other way around. So I feel like my meditation practice really helps me to cope with that judgmental mind a little bit more and to be like, oh, wait a minute, we're getting, we're going into judgmental mind now. So okay, let can I can I let this go? Can I yeah. and and see it as an experiment? And I'm still like, of course, struggling with it. And then. I'm, with especially like yeah seeing certain parts of my body and then I'm like man my legs they're horrible my feet even worse and then um but then at the same time like well can we do an experiment can I actually try to love my legs Um, because in the end they still allow me to to move right and and still even sometimes people say that they love my dancing so there is something that's good that's working so it's also for me a a challenge to try to widen my circle of um, kindness to to even the parts that maybe I'm just like I don't like yeah and that's actually very like a Buddhist um, 
practice very much as well, which is, um, you know, you start with um, kindness towards yourself and then you widen that circle further and further out. And some parts of yourself maybe are already likable and other parts maybe not but then you can slowly slowly by practicing again and again you can widen it and of course if you don't like yourself then there's no way you can really like others so you gotta start where you are <laughs> yeah you know one question I have for you that's just a genuine question that I don't have like even my own I'm still trying to understand it is this um you know, in the, in the beginning when I was learning ballet and, and still the word ego comes into it sometimes. And, you know, a teacher will say, don't have an ego, take your legs lower to practice turning it out. And I think to myself, how could I have an ego? I'm terrible at everything. I feel like I'm terrible at everything. What is this ego sense? And then, I don't know, I'm sort of kind of trying to re-understand the word ego and re-understand maybe it's a side of insecurity can also be ego. What is it? Um, is that, can you, do you have any thoughts on that? What is your, what is your thoughts on that? I'm very curious to know how it fits. Uh, that, that's a fascinating question. And for sure, also the feelings of, from a Buddhist perspective, I'm now speaking, um, the feelings of I'm worthless are also very much ego, hmm. uh, ego going on because ego from a Buddhist perspective, again, so this is not necessarily the psychological perspective, um, but it would be like overemphasis on yourself rather than being completely self-centered and being self-centered can be I'm the greatest ever but it could also be I'm the worst ever whereas if you're able to step outside this narrow self-focus and being much more like open so I had this realization I think this summer somehow um, that I was like oh wait I'm way too much focusing on myself and either I'm good or that I'm bad or something can I actually just practice um, ballet, like remembering whenever I, 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 I remember to just practice it for whoever is watching, just as a gift. And that was a really, that idea really worked for me. And, and I still have to, you know, remember to practice doing that. But it really felt so much better because I was not by that way, I was stepping outside my own bubble and going to the yeah, the bigger bubble. Yeah, that's a fascinating, that's a fascinating way to think about ego that you're, it can be either side of that coin, because you think of ego as boastful or overly confident. And I've never ever identified as that side of things, right? The people who are very boastful and think they're good at everything. I'm like, how could that possibly, how could I possibly be having ego, right? But I don't know, it's very interesting to actually think about it as that you just are overly thoughtful about your own shortcomings or your own greatness it could be either yeah because then the thing is that again from the buddhist perspective is then you because you're so busy with yourself you're not open to the needs of the others and therefore mm -hmm. you can't be there for the others and you close yourself off basically yeah fascinating awesome that that definitely puts several more pieces in the puzzle <laughs> to sort of noodle around on this concept <laughs> Awesome. It was a great question. <laughs> it's fascinating. Um, I mean, obviously, as both a teacher and I'm still a student, I feel like it's I'm still obsessed with ballet as a student, as well as helping mm -hmm. other people with their technique. Understanding the reasons why someone would or wouldn't be able to apply a correction are very, very important, myself and others, because 
sometimes you have to be open to the fact that you need that correction. And sometimes if you're too scared to admit that you need that correction or admitting that you needed to work on that thing would admit that you weren't as good as you might thought of thought you were, or would mean that maybe you're a failure, or it could mean that you're never going to get it. Any of those admissions or like little pieces, you might totally close off the door to hearing that information because you're afraid of what it's going to mean to you. Yeah, 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 totally. So recognizable. <laughs> <laughs> We're all sort of plagued with these things, although our, you know, our weaknesses are sometimes our strengths as well. They push us to, to greatness if we can kind of learn how to keep them contained. Yeah. yeah. So um, you talked a little bit about um, in when it comes to adult ballet in the U.S., kind of finding some more opportunities for it. Um, where were you in the U.S. when you were living here? So I was, well, I started out near Boston in Waltham and at that, well, in Boston itself with Cambridge and stuff, there's fantastic dance studios over there. Um, although in Waltham itself um, was the university which had a gym class like twice a week or so. And then I moved to Philadelphia, which was awesome. It had so many places and also definitely studios dedicated to adult ballet, which is great um, because that makes a lot of difference whether the adults are just the, the front and center or whether they're just, you know, the afterthought and yet mostly kids classes. <laughs> you do right. notice the difference. And then I moved to Princeton. So, and then you're close to New York, which is great. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That over there East coast is like Mecca for anything arts really, but especially yeah. adult ballet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's exciting. And so how, what, what are you doing now? Right. So we're in, we're in lockdown times and you're in Europe. So you're probably very locked down. What has your life been like this past, I guess it's been almost a year, which is insane to believe. What has this last period of time been like for you? Yeah, it was crazy. So in March, in March, we, we had our first lockdown, which lasted until um, I think the 1st of July is when the event, well, it, in terms of ballet, <laughs> the lockdown was from mid-March until the 1st of July, I think. And then it was summer and studios were opening, um, at least the ones that didn't have a summer break, because um, some have summer break with the school kids. Um, so I would go to Amsterdam like once a week to uh, do ballet there and then for the rest do stuff online, which, well, actually one of the, the great things of COVID is that we suddenly have access to so many classes online. I mean, I'm used to doing classes online because I travel a lot for my work. And then I would be doing uh, Catherine Morgan's ballet classes in my hotel room in, um, in India or in the US or somewhere in a gym. Like I, I, I provided probably a lot of entertainment to many gym goers in many countries. <laughs> They're like, what are you doing? Is this a kind of yoga? I'm like, well, <laughs> something, maybe. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and so then um, the, from the beginning of September, um, then also the school where I train uh, here in Groningen reopened. So we had classes until mid-December. And then we went into our second serious lockdown. And now we're locking down more the lockdown. But for ballet, it doesn't matter. It's basically lockdown until, um, well, for now, the 9th of February, we will see what that's like. So, um, so yeah, then now I'm mostly doing, well, pretty much just doing ballet classes online. But well, the good thing of, of all of that was that I reconnected with my teachers in various places. So I'm regularly training with a ballet teacher in India. Um, 
and like this morning also like I try now several several days a week I dance with their local dance company which are all online they've been since March basically not been meeting in person um, but it's awesome he has really good classes so and then I also reconnected with a teacher from the, my time in Princeton and they started offering online classes and he's very um, very much focused also on the ex expression aspect so he has very good technique tips but then sometimes he'll also just say something like really tell the story with your body or really follow that hand and really like yeah move with that arabesque or something and then and it's really so inspiring so uh, that makes me very happy uh, and he always is uh, like oh how is it in the netherlands so it's really nice to have these cross country connections in dance somehow i find that extra special um so so yeah that's what it's been like so i actually at the advice of my uh, indian ballet teacher um who's actually from argentina but he's been living in india for like 20 years or 15 years um i i i he's like well in you know in the west you can actually buy a ballet floor and i was like well you got a point there so i i searched online and i got my own ballet floor which is not even that expensive to buy like some ballet just without the, the whole sprung wooden yeah. thing i mean that's the complicated part but just the 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 surface is not too bad and now i have my own um, well i'm my my desk is my my kitchen table and next to my kitchen table is my ballet floor and then in my bedroom i have a bar which i've had already since forever so yeah and a big mirror as well so i'm just really lucky to have a, a pretty decent home studio situation <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I feel like in some ways it's like the dream to have a home studio where you can do all this stuff. I mean, the sprung would be would just be over the top amazing. Yeah, but that that was totally my dream. And now I'm like, well, you know, it's a bit different than I would have imagined, but it's not bad. Um, yeah. So I feel like in this period of time, there's like basically two general senses with online ballet. Like you kind of love it or you're kind of like, just hate it because it reminds you of everything you miss about real life. Um, do you have any of that sense with it as well? Or do you, are you really just kind of like all in? I, uh, I would say, well, I definitely love being in the studio even more. Like I, I was so excited when I got back into the studio this summer and this fall. Um, but it's it's great if it whether the, the the ballet class online works or not depends a lot on how it's done you know whether the music is horrible which sometimes zoom <laughs> can be horrible with the music i'm sure you're an expert on that by now um and whether the teacher actually pays attention to the people on zoom and there's a large very very variability in that as well so if the teacher is engaging with me as a student online if they're watching and giving corrections sometimes and sometimes actually the zoom ballet classes are are nice and then sometimes actually even just an instagram live class or a class where you get no feedback is also really nice because sometimes it's nice to have a bit of a chance to not get too distracted by the whole social thing um, or where you feel like you have to please this teacher sometimes it's really nice to just work on something and be able to go back if you don't get an exercise and and i started to appreciate those dimensions as well and also now because i have so much choice in where i can take the ballet classes online with this or that teacher or choose like something from youtube or instagram live or 
I, I can also really say, well, for now, I'm going to focus on this a little bit or work on that a little bit and then have a bit more agency there, which obviously you normally don't have when you're working with a teacher because they have like not just me, but um, uh, maybe eight or 10 other students as well. So um, I find that an, an attractive part of it as well. So it, I wouldn't say I would say it has both good sides, but I'm, I'm very much looking forward to getting back into the studio sometime in the hopefully not too distant future. We'll see. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, when we close out, I like to ask for any last words or advice you have for our listeners who are maybe adult, adult dancers, either, you know, kind of like you or, or anyone out there. What is, what, what are your kind of last words that you want to make sure you get out into the world today? Oh, that's a beautiful question. Um, I would say the main thing is don't forget to enjoy ballet because it's so easy in ballet to um, to get a bit caught up in this like well when you're dancing with other people in the studio I think this dynamic is especially true that you're comparing yourself so much uh, with others and I, I find that I, I have that a little bit less with Zoom ballet because you just, the, these other people are such small squares, you don't really see them very much, um, depending on how you set up your screen, of course. Um, but um, yes, and, and at the same time, when you, you're doing it for yourself, and in, I think also one of the beautiful things of ballet is we're all, are all, we're all good at something different and we have all something to give and something to share and, and we can enjoy that as well. Yeah, that's really beautiful. It's definitely easy to forget that you're actually here to still enjoy it and to share with the world and to do all of those, do all of those things and not just to get the perfect fit. Yeah, because in the end, I mean, realistically, as an adult dancer, um, I'm not really, I'm, I'm way too old to be compared, to even compare myself to um, the professional dancers. And I'm, I'm never going to be as good as a professional dancer. But that's okay, because I don't have to be like, they spent, they gave their whole life to ballet, and I can do it um, just for fun. <laughs> Yep, it can be a part of your life. It doesn't have to be your whole life. Yeah, exactly. And and that way I can also do ballet um, and not wreck my whole body, um, which many of the professional dancers, unfortunately, they, they do. I mean, I have the good fortune to also dance in a studio in Amsterdam, which is run by um, former dancers or current dancers of Dutch National Ballet. And then you get to see in there like, yeah, you know, I... I, my back is, is terrible and my knees are hurting. And then at age 35 or so, they have to just completely give up and, and, and I can just dance and I'm 40 and, you know, it's actually, my body's working fine. It's probably working pretty good, much better than most people of my age that don't do ballet. Um, but yeah, so that's also a good thing um, that, you know, when you don't get, do it for, for, for a job, you actually probably get to enjoy it more. So. Yeah, very true. Well, wonderful. What a beautiful episode. Thank you so much for your time and for your energy and for all the wonderful things you shared with us today. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you so much for uh, having me on the podcast and um, for 
having this podcast in general because I find it really, um, really fun and inspiring to get to virtually meet so many dancing adults from across the globe. Thanks for listening. For more adult ballet, you can dance with us in our online studio with over 20 hours of live Zoom classes each week, including pre-point and point, or our on-demand technique library with structured courses, variations, and recorded live classes. We also offer ballet exams just for adults, including ballet technique, point, and pre-point for individual feedback and guidance. Don't forget to follow our studio on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Broche Ballet. I'm Julie, and this was Broche Banter. Happy dancing! Mm-hmm.